What is up, everybody? I haven't been on here in a while, and I miss you guys. So I am Kelsey. I'm your host, and you are listening to Joyfully You Podcast. So I am recording right now in San Diego. I have been at Angie Lee's live event this weekend, and it is called Pays to be Brave. And all about how you can be brave in your business, how you can make money, how you can make an impact. And it was so incredible. I was really inspired and I had a breakthrough over this weekend of realizing how scary it is to leave other people. And what I mean by this is when we are our desire to nurture other people gets in the way of us nurturing ourselves. So when I, so I'm going to take you guys on a trip. If you guys want to go with me, I want to take you on a ride to 2014. I was working at AT AT&T, climbing the corporate ladder, and I had reached like a level of success. I was on track to make six figures that year, and I was miserable. I was in a very dysfunctional relationship. I was dating a narcissist. If you guys follow me on Instagram, at the Kelsey Lowe Show, you guys have heard me talk about this. And I completely lost myself. So I was super unsatisfied with my current reality. And I had a curiosity about traveling. I had traveled before for short term, but I had a curiosity. Like I had heard about all these people that like we're digital nomads. And I'm like, well, what the heck is this? Like, why are people being able to travel as much as they want, make money? Like, how are they doing this? And I'm like, okay, blogging? Like, what do you mean? Like you make money blogging, you know, like so many unanswered questions. And I remembered being in college and, and thinking, well, maybe I could teach English abroad or something. And one person told me, oh no, you can only get jobs in like China and Japan. So, and so I just listened to them and I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to go to China or Japan, so I guess I can't do that. I didn't investigate further. And so be curious with the things that you want to do. Okay, so going back to that story of I was I was so miserable in my job. And I knew that I, not so much that I was miserable, I was overworked. I didn't know how to say no. And I just give, 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 give. And I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't know how to handle the stress. I didn't know how to manage all the people. Like I became like on a quest to like understand their personalities and like how to motivate and lead people. And when it came down to finally deciding, like I started researching, like I just had like, okay, just be curious, just be curious, like how to make money while traveling, all of these different things, how to, um, and then teaching English kept popping up. And then I discovered, oh, I could teach English anywhere. Oh, everywhere around the world wants to learn English. So I had this, this idea of like, okay, well maybe I could do this. Like I may like this conversation of like walking away from the security of this job that I'd worked really hard to have that I really put myself out there to say, hey, I want to be a manager. I want to be promoted. I want to move up in the company. Like that conversation's sometimes hard to have. And like I went straight to my boss and I was like, I want to be promoted. What do I need to do to work towards becoming a manager? Got it. And then instantly I became a manager. Not instantly, let's be real. But it was about six months later. I became a manager because I put it out there that that's what I wanted and I was like tunnel vision to get it. But once I got it, I thought I'd be happy and I wasn't. So then something else became like the desire that like, oh, maybe if I get that, then I'll be happy. And the fears that were coming up when I thought about leaving the country to go teach English was, 
oh my gosh, my family's going to be so mad at me. Or, oh, my friends are going to be so mad at me. Or, oh, I'm not going to be able to be there for anybody. And I was worried about it. But because I was so dissatisfied with my current reality, it drowned out the fear of being able to go and actually live my life and do something that I'd always dreamed of that seemed totally crazy and scary. And, and there were so many uncertainties. And I like talked to this guy on the phone for probably like four hours. Like he was a, he was a rep. I worked for a company that connected you to a school so you can get certified to teach English as a foreign language. And I told him I wanted to, I wanted Spanish and I wanted tropical. And so I said, I want Spanish and tropical. And so we narrowed it down to Costa Rica and I ended up quitting my job, moving to Costa Rica to get certified to teach English. And I ended up getting a job at the same place I got certified at. And I taught English to... Um, they were like between 19 and 25, most of my students. And I did have a teenage class and I, and I worked part-time and I made it happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But the guilt of not being there for certain family things, um, it never really went away. Like I still felt it, but I dealt with it because I knew I was investing in myself. Like, okay, the social pressure to go to college is so freaking real, right? They're like, okay, well, you finished high school. Now you go to college. It's just like expected, but no one expects for you to travel. And I think travel after you graduate college, or even if you don't go to college and you decide to travel is equally as important. Like, I don't believe you have to go to college to be successful, but I do believe that you need to travel to new cultures in order to be successful. And traveling to new cultures could be driving an hour north from your hometown or an hour east or south or west from your hometown. It does not mean you have to get on a plane and go to Costa Rica the way I did, but you have to step out of your comfort zone to explore something new and to get a new perspective. So the desire to change my reality was bigger than my fear of staying. And so like I did fly home quite a bit. Like I made it work. Like I fucking love credit cards. I think credit cards are beautiful because they give us an opportunity to use money we don't yet have, but while having faith that we're going to pay it off and that the money is coming. And so I invested, I would, I would, I would go and visit other countries or travel like just paying for the ticket and having like a $500 window, but I knew I had a credit card that I could be able to use. And so the way I looked at travel was the way I looked at college. People are totally okay. Like going a hundred thousand dollars in debt for college, but they won't fucking spend a thousand dollars to travel. Like guys, I'm calling you out on your excuses so hard. If there's a place that you want to travel to, this is an act of bravery for you to be able to take to say, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to know that any fear that I have of me looking like I'm a tourist or, or someone taking advantage of me or all these big, huge fears that we create. Cause what you're doing is you're visualizing and you're creating in your mind, these stories of the worst case scenarios that could happen if you step out of your comfort zone, but you're forgetting to visualize and imagine and create the best case scenario that could happen. That's where you need to shift your focus. Anytime you're thinking about approaching and doing something new, you have to think about what the best case scenario is. Professional sports athletes will visualize winning the game. They'll visualize their football player. They visualize crossing and getting a touchdown and running across the field. Or they'll visualize the plays, all of the, the in-between things. And, and they do this 
to help increase their likelihood of winning because the brain sometimes doesn't know the difference between a memory and a vision because we are so fucking creative and our minds are so like we can imagine like our imagination is so strong and so the more that you tap into your imagination of imagining and visualizing what the best case scenario is the more your brain is going to like light up when you have opportunities to make that vision a reality And you're going to be more attuned to seeing that opportunity when it comes, when you've already visualized it and pictured it multiple times in your brain. And so I had a vision to travel. So that's what I did. And it was not easy at times. It was hard, but I still did it. And I was so happy that I did it because I learned so much about myself. Being in, being in a location where everything surrounding you is nothing like there's like (laughs) being in places where I'm like, wow, nothing around me is familiar. The language is not familiar. The food is not familiar. Who am I? Do I like this stuff around me? Do I like this? Do I like that? It helped me learn how to navigate my own likes and dislikes because there was such contrast and nothing was familiar. And I'd meet these people who were from different countries and had different customs. And I wasn't with all my friends who talk and laugh and have the same jokes as me. I was my own individual person. And I had to and I, and I've even found myself kind of blending in with the people instead of standing out. And like that whole conversation of who am I, what am I doing? Why do I like this? I've always known that I love helping people. Um, but I was not clear on how I wanted to help people until I invested in leadership training and, and going through coaching and doing like the hard inner work of facing our fears and our egos based off our past stories And so even now, it's right now it is October 21st, 2018, and it's been officially one year since I launched this business of coaching businesses and creating a positive team culture and developing the the managers and how to become leaders that are inspiring and motivating and how to increase productivity. And I know you guys are like, wait, that's what you do? (laughs) Because so much of what I talk about through the podcast and through the Kelsey Lowe show is about self-love and it's about empowerment. And it's things that I advocate for so hard. But what what pays my bills actually is I work with organizations and business owners and people that are high achievers that are willing to step out of their comfort zone in order to become leaders. And when I did start this business, I found myself feeling guilty for not being as available to my friends. And I even found myself guilty. At one point I was in a relationship with this guy. It was like a two month fling, like, but as the classic girl I was, I was like, oh my God, you like me so much. Let's just, I'm like, oh, look at this great relationship. I'm just going to walk right into this. Like you're like arms wide open. You're totally team Kelsey. You're going to be like my biggest supporter ever. And he was, he was my biggest supporter ever, but he had no dreams and goals and aspirations of his own. He was so stagnant. He was like just this hard rock that was just right there, but he was like a cheerleader rock. (laughs) Are you picturing like this little cheerleader rock just like, yeah, go Kelsey, go Kelsey. So of course I loved it. I like soaked it all in. He was team Kelsey. Um, But there came a point where all of a sudden it was like, well, wait a minute. Uh, well, what, what are, what are your goals? What are your dreams? Like, I like talking about this stuff, like the ideas. And he would just like have this such pessimistic view and pessimistic outlook that I realized, like, well, what am I doing? 
am I afraid? Like, then thinking about growing and doing these things, I'm like, okay, this person's not aligned with my dreams or goals. So with that relationship, it's easier to walk away from. But even my own personal friendships that have been my friends for so long, there's these times where it's like we weave in and out where we get close with them and we get farther away from them. We get close with them. And even in the past, I remember when I had finally come home, like a couple years after I had been traveling, I came home for a while and one of my best friends, like my best friends, my soul sisters, she had just had a, a really bad breakup. And my flight to Peru was scheduled four days from when her and her boyfriend broke up and she was a mess. She was a mess. It was a moment where I was like, oh my God, my friend needs me. But guess who also needed me? I needed me. I needed me. I knew that my soul was craving and screaming to go to Peru to teach English, to follow my dreams because that's the curiosity and the burning fire I had inside. And I had to trust that I was not going to lose that friend by leaving and that by I was not walking away from her, but I was walking towards myself, towards my vision, and that I was going to still be able to be there for her for the best of my ability. And I'm not going to lie, she was a little pissed. She didn't tell me, but her actions showed it. She was mad because she felt like her friend abandoned her when she was in one of her darkest times. And those situations are hard because there's always going to be someone that needs you. And especially if you are a very nurturing person, if you are a woman that just knows how to take care of people, it's especially hard for you to take care of yourself because you're going to feel guilty that you should be taking care of someone else more. But some of you might've heard this analogy, but when you're in a plane accident or a car accident or even or a plane, a, a plane crash, or even we're just getting on a plane, they always say when they're demonstrating for the masks that you should always put your oxygen mask on first before putting it on other people. And the reason why is you can get exhausted and something can happen to you and you're going around making sure everyone has their mask on and then all of a sudden you're the one that dies. Okay, that was really extreme. <laughs> or you're the one that passes out because you don't have all the oxygen. But Or you're the one that's all stressed out because did you know that oxygen's just actually to keep you calm? Side note, unless... Okay, I'm not going to go on a tangent with that. But the point is, <laughs> the point is when you take care of yourself first and make sure that your needs are met, you are more capable and you have more energy and fulfillment to then take care of other people around you. You could take care of everyone around you if you'd like, but you got to take care of yourself first so you don't get resentful. Because when you get resentful, you're not going to want to do it anymore and you're going to get bitter. And if you create a habit of being bitter, all of a sudden you can become bitter because we really, really, really mix up who we are and the habits that we have. For example, you are not a procrastinator. You have a habit of procrastinating. You are not the fat girl. You have had a habit of believing you are the fat girl. Like whatever beliefs you have about yourself is just a habit. In the same way that you could be able to change your habits in 21 days, you could be able to change your perception of who you are in that amount of time. Maybe not 21 days. I have fear gremlins that still come back around. I'm like, damn, you're back. Are you kidding me? And one of them is not being enough. I have a fear gremlin that just like, yeah, you did a lot. Apparently, this is the voice of my fear gremlin. It sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of work, but it's not enough. It's not enough. 
you're not good enough. And I have to be like, hey, fear gremlin, shut the fuck up. Yes, I'm doing good. I think I'm doing a good job. I have to have this trust. It's almost like being naive and believing everything's going to work out. And when you believe that, all of a sudden you're like, dang, it really did work out. But you do have to manage your mind. And you do have to be kind to yourself and love yourself, especially if you want to work in a field where you help other people. You have to talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your clients. Or you have to talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your children. Unless you talk to your children bad, then don't talk to yourself that way. But know that if you do have children, the way you talk to them is forming their entire perception of who they believe they are. I had, my family used to call me Schlep Rock all the time. And if, and it's, I've never even freaking seen this TV show. It's like a really old TV show, but apparently it's this guy that just always messes everything up and always falls over and is always super clumsy and always is like the dumb one. Like, can you believe that? Like later my my family was like, I thought it just meant clumsy. And I'm like, you guys have created this entire identity that I'm the clumsy, like loud, like falling over, like not like this perception that I believed about myself. Like I, okay authentic, genuine, vulnerable, real talk right now. I was like a foot taller than everyone. And I was on a soccer team. I remember I was probably like 10 or 11. I was literally like five, five. And everyone was like, literally, I'm a foot taller than everyone. So people would assume like, oh, she's probably like super intense. Like she's a giant. She must be a really good soccer player. And I was like super clumsy. Like I could run fast, but I was just clumsy. Like I remember this specific moment where I'm running, I'm like charging towards the goal. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to make my first goal ever. Cause I always told myself, you're not athletic. You're not athletic. So I always believed that up until like freaking last year, but I'm running towards the goal. I'm like, I think I'm going to make the goal. And I just keep going. I'm just charging. Like I have tunnel vision towards the goal and one of the girls falls over on the other team because I'm just like charging it I am still a foot taller than everyone and I stop and I'm like oh my god are you okay I'm so sorry and the other team got the ball and everyone like booed they were like I can't believe she stopped to help someone else to get up and looking back I'm like oh that's really sweet I helped someone get up but it's also like a really perfect example of how many times I've sabotaged myself because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't stop for my goal. I should help this other person because it would be selfish if I just actually went for it and and got a goal and got a point because I shouldn't I shouldn't be able to do this if someone else falls down. And that is like the classic empathetic person. Like, oh, I can't do this if someone else can't. And that's bullshit. It's bullshit because guess what? That person can learn how to not get knocked down the next time. You don't have to impede on their learning opportunity. Like when we fail, it's just an opportunity to learn. And if you keep having the same freaking experience come up over and over again, I believe that's life trying to teach you the lesson. You haven't got it yet. So if things are repeating, so like for me in that moment, if I had to look back, I'm like, okay, my lesson was it's okay if people get knocked down. (laughs) I know this sounds so weird. Like it's okay that people get knocked down. If you go to hit your goal, you can come back around, make your goal, accomplish what you accomplish, and then come around and be like, Hey, are you okay? Is everything all good? You're allowed to sweep back around after you handle your scandal. You got to handle your scandal. You know what I mean, girl? You know what I mean? I had a breakthrough with relationships of thinking about the past guys I've dated, of me having these goals and dreams and my confidence, of me feeling like, oh, I can't be so confident and make them feel bad about themselves. Like, what is the logic there of like, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. That's what it was. But since you guys know, I love talking about how being uncomfortable is the stimulus for growth. If you don't allow other people to be uncomfortable, or you just assume that's also that was also me assuming 
they would be uncomfortable. You are not allowing them to grow while being in your presence. If you've ever dumbed down a conversation based on the person you're talking to because you're like, oh, I don't want to look like I'm too happy. Like maybe you have a friend that's totally miserable and you're totally happy and you're like, I don't want them to feel bad because I'm so happy. Like, what the fuck? No. What if your happiness is contagious on them? And if they're so bitter that you're happy and they're not, they're not a good friend. Period. They're not a good friend if they can't be happy for the fact that you're happy. Because it's like misery loves company. Like really, they want to pull you down. Like that's not cool. Same thing with the relationships. If you have a boyfriend or if you have a girlfriend that feels uncomfortable when you are excelling and you are striving towards your goals or, or puts you in a box or any idea you have says is stupid. Like you're like, oh, I want to write a book one day and they laugh. That is not a, That is not a supportive relationship. Just because they say, oh yeah, I support you. Actions speak louder than words. So take a... Uh, inventory of the people that you are surrounded with and are they supporting your goals or are they detracting you from your goals and do you have a fear of pursuing your goals and a fear that you might lose your friends along the way and I'm really sorry to burst this but maybe it'll be better if you just know you will lose some friends along the way because in order for you to become the person you want to be Some of those people that knew that other part of you and that other version of you may not fit in with who you are now. And that's okay. And that's okay. But you can influence them along the way, but not influence them so much that you don't ever rise, that they hold you down, that they're getting in the way of your growth, that they make you feel stupid for wanting to grow. And maybe that's a conversation happening in your head and you're like creating the story. They're like, oh, if I tell them about this, they're going to think it's so dumb, but you've never even given them the opportunity. Like you got to give them the opportunity too, and like tell them about it and see. But at the same time, like I have certain friends, like my close friends, like I'm going to tell them the basics of what I'm doing, but like for the details and nitty gritty of my business, like their eyes are going to glaze over if I start telling them the nitty gritty about my business, because that's just not their thing. And that's okay. We can be selective of how and who we talk to people, like how we talk to people and who we talk to people and what it's about. Like if you have other friends that are super supportive, like I'm sure you can think of someone that is your cheerleader in your life that you can go to and they can just like, you could bounce ideas. There's no idea too small or too big. Like for me, that was my grandpa, my grandpa, Bill. He was my number one cheerleader. If I had an idea, he would challenge it and make it bigger. I told him I wanted to be a singer. He's like, okay, let's, you should, you're going to be bigger than Faith Hill. And then I was like, no, I just want to be famous. He's like, okay, then you're going to be the most famous Kelsey ever. You know, like anything I told him, like I've had a dream of being on stages since I was five years old of having a microphone since I was five. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I did musicals. I did theater. I did, um, I sang, I learned, I learned an Adele song on piano. It's still to this day, the only song I know how to play because I was so determined to have a grand piano with pink lights and a microphone and to sing Adele. And that's what I did. Actually, if you guys ever wanted to look that up, if you search El Diamante, Kelsey Lowe, Hometown Glory, or maybe just El Diamante, Kelsey Lowe, you'll find it. And you'll see, I was 17 years old singing that song and my grandpa was in the audience. He got to see that song and he died a couple months later and his voice will never leave me because he is still my biggest cheerleader and I believe in spirit guides and he has come to me two separate times 
And one of them was clear as day. I was in my room. I was just like picking up my room and I saw this like black line. It was the weirdest thing. And I just instantly stood up and everything like the back of my hair or the back of my neck, like the hair stood up and everything around me. And it was just clear. Like I put my arms up and I felt like I was hugging him. And I heard his voice and he said, you're doing a great job. It's all all right. And when I heard him, his voice so clearly. And I would just, I got lost in a moment where I was literally standing there hugging myself. There was no one home, but I could feel his presence all around me. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm doing a good job. It's all right. Where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. Because when you start to set your goals and when you start to create this big vision for your life of the impact that you want to have, the amount of money you want to make, the people you want to serve, what you want your legacy to be, it can be really, really overwhelming to get clarity. It can be really, really frustrating to not have clarity. But when you find a point in your life when you're like, I have clarity, I know what I want to do. I know how I want to move forward. All you got to do is focus on the first step you're in. Because the moment you start to get lost in the future of the possibilities and what could be and like all the things that are coming and, oh my gosh, what if I fail and you haven't even fucking started yet? You're going to get anxiety. And I experienced that this year. I got so much anxiety because I had set these crazy high expectations of myself of what I thought my business was supposed to look like. And I was comparing myself to other people and now having it be one year later one of the most crucial conversations I had was from a coach. His name's Roman. And I called him. I was like, I'm just so anxious. I'm sitting at a coffee shop and I don't know why my heart's beating so bad and I'm getting anxiety. And all I need to do is get my, my to-do list done. <laughs> and he said, Kelsey, do you have expectations? And I was like, Roman, duh. <laughs> are you kidding me? My expectations are so high. Of course I have expectations. And he was like, well, that's why you have anxiety. You need to drop your expectations. You need to focus on what is in your what is in your ability to do right now, today. And do not focus about the expectations because all you need to focus is how you want to help empower men and women to love themselves and communicate and become a leader. Like he's like, those are still the same goals. He's like, all you have to do is focus on that. Be committed, but not attached. So don't worry about the avenue in which you get there just focus on today. And that advice was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to breathe. I'm not going to have high expectations. I'm going to lower them. I'm just going to focus on what I can do today. And I felt the anxiety literally leave my body. Now, does it stay away? No, it comes back. And then I go through this process again. Managing your mind is a constant ongoing thing. It's not like, okay, I had a spiritual awakening. All is good. Now I'm perfect. No, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that at all. It's this ongoing process. And being self-aware is actually quite difficult because now you can see all these parts of yourself that you've been hiding from before. You're like, oh, shoot, that fear gremlin's coming up again? Or, oh, shoot, that tendency to avoid people when I really want to say how I'm feeling is still here? Yes, because managing your mind requires ongoing effort. But eventually, the managing becomes habits. Like, this sounds weird, but I made the realization that I have a habit of being grateful. And anytime that I start to be in a low place, my mind shifts into, okay, 
let's think of things I'm grateful for. What's the silver lining of this situation? Because I like to feel good. (laughs) I want to feel good. I just want to be happy. (laughs) Like that is seriously my life goal. I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. I want to be fulfilled. And I want to know that I'm living my potential. And so if I'm ever like doing things, I'm like, well, I'm doing all the things you're supposed to do right now in this stage of business, whatever, whatever, reading all the books. But if I'm ever just like, ugh, I'm just not happy. It's normally because I have not grounded myself in what I'm grateful for. And when I say grounding myself, what that means is I'm coming back into the root of what I'm doing and the why. The why am I doing this? And what do I have to be grateful for? So long story short, do not let the desire to nurture other people get in the way of your desire to nurture and grow yourself. You are here for a purpose. You have a huge mission. You probably have a huge dream, whether you've shared it with anyone or not. If you had level 10 confidence, what would you want to do? How would you want to live? Who would you want to be? People focus so much on their to-do list, but not many people are focusing on their to-be list. Who do you need to be in order to do the things you want to do? Do you need to be confident? Do you need to be high vibe? Do you need to be passionate? Do you need to be committed, compassionate, determined, vulnerable, open? Who do you need to be in order to get the things that you want and to do the things in order to get there? You have to always focus on who you have to be. And maybe right now you have to be brave and admitting what you want, and people can either jump on that train with you or not. But it's not up to you for you to force them on that train with you. If they are your true friends and they love you, they're going to support you no matter what. So let go of that fear that you're going to be alone if you pursue your dreams, or that if no one supports you, it's not going to go well, or that you need that, that, um, that reassurance from everyone around you. You have to reassure yourself. You almost have to have this naive belief that it's all going to work out. And it does. It does. Because if you're betting on yourself, you always win. And so have these conversations with people. If you're afraid you're going to lose them, why don't you talk to them about it? If you really believe that's going to happen, then maybe it will. But is it worth it? Is pursuing your passions and your dreams and maybe even pursuing your passion and dreams starts with just going to the gym. Starts with just being healthy. It doesn't have to be this huge, like, I want to be the next Tony Robbins. Like, I want to be Oprah. Like, it doesn't, it, it can be that big. I love when it's that big. But you get to start in the step you're in. Wherever you are right now in your life, the struggles that you're having, whatever it is that you desire, I believe your intuition knows what that first step is. And so take that first step. And know you are worthy of receiving anything that you want. And just know the easiest way to shift out of being in an unhappy or stagnant mood is to go out of your way to help someone else. And once you've helped someone else and you've gotten that good feeling, you recenter into, okay, now how can I help myself? What do I need to do in order to feel really, really good? Because self-love is so powerful and that's what's going to fuel you living the life you want to live and living a life by design. 
because I am walking proof that it is possible to live a life by design. I travel when I want. I get paid to travel now at times. (laughs) It's still like a new thing, (laughs) but I make travel a priority and I still have a thriving business and the business is growing. I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be today. And coming into that present moment of just being so overwhelmed with gratitude of where you are exactly right now, even if right now you just had the realization of, oh, I want to do this. Perfect. That's the exact step you're supposed to be in. Have the belief and have it be so strong that exactly where you're at right now is exactly where you're supposed to be today this hour, this moment, this second that you are listening to this. This is exactly where you're supposed to be. And you always have a crossroads. You always have a decision to take a step towards what you want and being true to your word and the things you're going to do or not. There's always a choice, you know, like it's really easy to get fall into autopilot and live like this mediocre like life. But deep down, you know, you were made for more. But maybe you feel like right now you are living like exactly how you want to live and everything is great. And if you do, then hell yeah, girl. Hell yeah, man. (laughs) That's amazing. But if you're not, you have the power. Have you heard that song? I got the power. It's so good. So thank you guys for listening. I am Kelsey Lowe. You are listening to Joyfully You. If you guys like this podcast, please like take a screenshot. If you don't know how to do a screenshot, side button, bottom button, same time. Takes a picture. Screenshot it. I'm always hanging out on Instagram, Kelsey Lowe Show and The Growth Coach CA. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if your thoughts of this landed with you, if this resonated with you today, or if you are realizing that, oh my God, this is me. I'm so afraid of that same shit, but I want to travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. Hey girl, have those big dreams and focus on what is in your capable capabilities of doing today. Okay. I love you guys so much. Thank you for joining me and have an amazing, amazing, amazing day, evening, morning, whatever time of day it is you're listening to this and I'll catch you on the next episode.